Awesome. Hey, I'm very, 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 very thankful to be with y'all, to be able to hang out. And sometimes you maybe hear people say the expression of like, when I'm with you, it feels like being with family. You know, you hear that thing? Like, literally, I'm with my family. Like, uh, so my sister, do y'all appreciate Terry Dietrich around here? And I think she's watching, and David as well. Uh, I'm going to talk about them more in a second, but they, they're amazing. I want to be like my sister when I grow up. If I can ever work my way around to growing up, I want to be more like her. Um, and my sweet mom, Joanne, right over here, okay? So, <clears throat> and yeah, I think the last time I was in this building is when I walked her down the aisle, okay, at 83 years old, okay? And um, the, yeah, and... The kind of the story was, it's kind of crazy, like, you know, she was living in Brenham and, you know, um, decided a couple years ago to move up here, loves the church, loves being with my sister, loves being a part of the life here, and um, she just got plugged in and started doing things, and about a year and a half, two years into it, she would never call me back. I couldn't get her to text me back, and she would say, I'm at lunch with Gary, can I call you later? And I'd say, call me when you can. I don't want to interrupt. And this became a normal thing. Like, I'm at the movies. Can I call you tomorrow? I'm, I'm like, it's, like, I'm, it's like she's a 16-year-old. I was like, can you call me back, please? Um, anyway, so finally, finally, uh, it was just a blessing to uh, get to know Gary Moore and uh, to be able to experience. And pretty soon they're at their two-year anniversary. So pretty amazing. Um, I'm coming back for steak night. Just making that announcement. Uh, that's awesome. You guys need to be a part of that. Um, uh, but before I kind of jump into a couple of things I want to talk about today, I do want to pray for Terry and Dave. I know, I think they're watching right now. I think a lot of you know, some of you may not know, they're in the throes of the COVID deal. And um, they're on, she's on day 12, I think, of this. And so uh, let's pray, if we can, uh, for both of them. Um, I got to see them yesterday uh, through the window, and that's no fun. Um, so God, just right now, Lord Jesus, we, um, uh, we lift them up to you, Lord. Um, uh, what else can we do but come to you and ask for uh, just your, your refreshing and your healing and your power, and we illuminate every part of um, Terry's DNA and Dave's DNA, refresh them, restore them, um, that their greatest days are getting ready to start right now. Um, they're, they're turning a new chapter launching into a new season. And so I just want to just ask for healing. And Lord, bigger than that, um, I pray for an end to this COVID craziness in our world. Uh, Lord Jesus, we, we ask, we're asking. Um, God, we're asking for um, an end to this, Lord. Uh, um, it's, it's caused a lot of uh, havoc and a lot of pain and a lot of hurt. And we pray for a new season, pray for a new season in our nation and in our land. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, church dismissed. See y'all later. Okay. It's too much pressure, Chris. I get up here and talk. Um, really excited and humbled. Uh, thanks very much to be able to talk. Um, so today what I'm going to basically do, and I was reminded of this morning what I'm really doing. So this morning I woke up, I got to stay with JoJo and Gary, and I'm, I was Googling something. Uh, when I get home, I've got to treat our yard. Okay, our yard's been through, kind of, you know, the havoc, a lot of rain, a lot of drought, a lot of rain. And so I'm getting ready to get one of those things, the auger. Okay, have you heard of this thing? Okay, it's a little thing. You go out, and it punches holes all in your lawn, right? You got to punch holes everywhere, and then I'm going to fertilize the lawn, okay? And so this morning, as I was going through things, what I'm going to share this morning, I was like, God, man, I've, I want to share these stories, and there's like two years' worth of stuff in this. And I was like, I don't have two years. Um, I have 40 minutes, and now I have 38 minutes because I'm, I'm wasting time. And, um, and I said, I have all these stories I want to share, and then I have these scriptures I want to share, and... Um, and I felt just so, such peace. I felt like God said, oh, no, well, the augering you do is the stories in the soil, and then the fertilizer is, is my word, so plant the seeds. I'm not in charge of the seeds. I'm not in charge of how the story hits you or how it doesn't. I'm here to auger your soil a little, stir it up, um, and some of it may make you go, oh, that is so ridiculous. Or some of it may make you go, that was so sweet and tender, I'm going to cry. And some of it may make you go, why did you come today? You know, I don't know what the story is going to do to you. But then I'm going to toss God's seed out. And I'm just trusting there's one of you that the seed is not going to really hit you. But then another person, that seed is going to be what you needed today. And then another person, the story might have stirred something in your heart. I'm here to stir the soil. Is that okay? So I'm here to stir the soil. Um, 
man, uh, that, that's kind of my goal. Um, so I, again, what I, I was saying a second ago, I've been on a two-year crazy journey. So let me give you like the, the very brief backstory on that. A lot of you guys I've known for years. Um, I was a traveling, touring music artist, whatever that means, traveling, doing youth camps, youth events. One night with my band, there would be like 4,000 students. The next night, we'd be at something like 20 children, and they'd be like, hi, will you clean my nose? I'm like, what am, this is the weirdest life ever, but I was just on the road doing any and all of those things. Then I started working with my church, Grace Fellowship. It's in Katy, and at the seven-year mark there, um, I was getting something that I had never had in my whole life, and it's called a sabbatical. And it was a break. It was a time to take two months to say stop. And I realized, wow, I had not stopped in my whole life, right? And I had I, worked in graphic design before I did music for 16 years. And then I had been working at the church for seven. And so I realized, wow, I've never had a chance to stop. And I needed to pause. And I was also getting ready to turn 50 that year. Everyone go, oh. <gasps> That's funny, right? So I know these people, if you're younger than 50, like you guys over there, you're like, man, that guy's old. But if you're like older than 50, you're like, quit complaining, you know? You're like, just, just, that's 30 years ago. Like, so like, but still, I was 49. I'm like, what happened in my 40s? That's just what, I, so sabbatical was coming at a great time for me. And so I said, okay, wow, I'm going to pause. And it came with, you know, sometimes when a blessing comes, guilt tries to come too. You know how the enemy works. It's like, who are you to deserve a sabbatical? You know, I thought who deserved a sabbatical was my dad, was my mom, my sister. You know, like people that I think, it, like, sometimes we don't just get to take a break, but I received the gift, and I said, okay, I'm going to take a break. And one of the things I wanted to do was reach out to different people who inspire me and say, can I take you to coffee, or can I have a Zoom conversation with you? Can I pick your brain about things um, and ask you questions? And some would say yes, and, so, and I was like, who, okay, whoa, who, should, who do I really want to talk to? So that turned into, like, this journey of... Over a year, I interviewed nearly 50 people in my 50th year, okay? Everyone go, hey, way to go. It was exhausting. Okay. Um, but at first, I was like, this is just going to be a journal for me because I would go and I would meet, like Fernando Ortega. I met with him, talked to him about piano and music, and I'll share some stories about some of these folks in a second. Some were famous and some were not in the public eye at all. But each time I would, like, get back in my truck and I'd be like, that was an amazing nugget that I got from that person. And then after the second time and the third time or after a phone call, finally I said, I'm going to share these things and compile them. For, and I don't have the biggest audience in the world, but like if, if I can share this with 50 people or 500 or 5,000, man, it could be life-changing for someone. Are you with me so far? Y'all say amen over here. Are okay, so just amen when you agree or something. So, so that turned into my journal, turned into uh, putting this thing together. Uh, it's called Braven, the art of pursuing what makes you come alive. And I had some publishing people tell me, they said, well, you have nine chapters. It should really be the nine truths of this or the nine lessons of something, something. And I said, you know what? Uh, every single person is different. Every single one of you that I'm looking at has a different fingerprint, right? So that's why I said, I feel like it's supposed to be the art of pursuing what makes your heart come alive, right? You're all uniquely and in, in individually wired, right? So I compiled all these things, and so the book came out. And what I want to share with you today is like, I, and I hope that this, this won't feel like kind of like, um, you know, whenever, if, I, if, I'm at, if I'm at, like, say, my church and someone comes, and if, they, if there's like a book, you kind of are thinking, oh, the guy's got a book, and you know, he wants me to buy the book. It's like, I don't care if I don't sell, sell any book, but I pray if the one person that I came here for, I pray that if you have an encounter with something deep in your heart, that God is watering a seed right then it's worth it, right? And, and one of the things I want to talk about is right in here is your comfort zone where you're like, I'm totally fine in this space, right? But right over here, when you step out of that, uh, it might be something different. You have to be kind of brave to go over there, right? You're like, well, that's a dream I had when I was a kid, and someone said I could never do that, so I don't want to go over there. Are you with me so far? Or maybe you have like, uh, maybe it's not something you, maybe you were pushed into being brave. Maybe you were diagnosed with something. You're like, I'm not choosing to go over here, but I got pushed, so now I'm going to be brave, right? So I want to talk a little bit about some of the stories of the people that I've talked with, and we're going to look at some scriptures. And again, all I'm doing, I'm going to be rapid firing some augering and some seeds this morning. Is that cool with everyone? Because worst case scenario, I fly back home today, and you got Chris again next week. So I, you can't fire me, so it works out. So, um, all right, so 
Interestingly, so as soon as I kind of launched the thing, I was like, I'm going to do it. And I did a thing called Kickstarter where I put out to like my music people and art people like to say, Can, pre, if you're interested in this thing, pre-order, and then I'll be able to gauge if there's any interest in this at all. Like there might be three people who pre-order, and one might be my mom, and it probably was my mom, right? But if, if there's like 100 people that pre-order, I'll see that maybe there's interest in some of this. So I want you to know, as soon as I hit the little button on launching the Kickstarter and did all the kind of back behind the scenes story of it, instantly I was hit with a wall of anxiety and worry. And what am I doing? Who, who am I to do this, right? I was not prepared for that little wave that happened. Because like Chris said, I've done like nine, 10 albums in my life. Like I've kind of stepped out and done things, right? But literally I started hearing junk like, uh, oh, so you're an author now, right? Uh, and, or who am I to, who am I to do this? You know, are you, you know what I'm talking about? The little voices that when you step in to try something new, the little voices are coming. So one of the guys I got to talk to that was really amazing, his name is John Eldridge. And we were talking, I was talking with one man earlier today. He wrote the book Wild at Heart. It's right over there. Um, and he was one of the guys I interviewed and I asked him, I said, whenever you step into something new, do you ever feel like uh, resistance to that? Do you ever feel like something coming against it. And he said, oh, always, like all the time. <laughs> a couple of husbands and wives are looking at each other like, you're my resistance. <laughs> Counseling will be available after. Like, um, I'm kidding. Um, but he said, oh, all the time. And, he, and this was so amazing what he said. He said, there's a couple of things. Like there was a, a friend of mine, and man, he said in passing, I remember this, he said, oh, yeah, I heard you're doing a book. Like, oh, you're, you're a musician and um, you're an artist, and so you're an author now. And he like walked away. And I was kind of like, was that a compliment or was that a side dig? Or, you know, so you take those little darts, right? So I asked him, and this was pretty cool. He said, if, said, um, if other people say things, if you're stepping out into something new, he said, you don't make an agreement with what they say. Just say, I don't, I'm not making an agreement with that, right? And he said, sometimes people will say things out of envy, so you don't make an agreement. It's okay, right? The next thing was he said, if, if there's a voice saying you don't have any right to something, something. He said, you know, there's an enemy that doesn't want you to step into all you're created to be, right? And he said, so you pray against that, right? Right. He said, I don't have time to mess with him. But he said, the one part I want to talk about is if you were saying things like, I don't have any business, blah, blah, blah. And he put his hand on his chest and he said, that's all the beautiful territory of Jesus, that stuff. He said, so if you're saying anything like, I don't X, Y, Z, or I don't deserve, or I something, he said, take that to Jesus, wow, that was beautiful. So maybe this morning, maybe there's something stirring. Maybe I'm stirring a little bit in your soil. And I pray that if you're hearing some of those voices, you'll say, okay, wow, I don't want to make an agreement. Maybe someone said something over me 30 years ago, or maybe some said something last week. I don't agree with that. I'm going to see what God says about me, right? Uh, that's what I'm going to do. Okay, so I've done a little bit of augering. Told you a story. So now here comes a scripture, right? So we have this up here. Ephesians 2.10. All my years of traveling during music, I would sign CDs for kids. And I would put Ephesians 2.10. Before that, in 1995, I would sign cassettes, Chris. That was a long time ago. I'd be like, can I sign your cassette? I sure will. You know, you guys are like, what's a cassette? <laughs> Seriously, that's how long. Ephesians 2.10. For we're created... For we are God's handiwork, created new in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in us, prepared in advance for us to do. Okay, so take a pause. Let that sink in. Like a, an entire, you could do a week-long Bible study just on that. If, if this part, if this sinks in today, then man, it's all worth it. You come in today. Firstly, you're God's handiwork. And other, other translations say you're God's masterpiece, right? Um, whoa, and if you just stop right there, you're like, wait, what? Well, the world doesn't tell me that. The world tells me, how many Instagram followers do I have? Or the world tells me, well, how's my business compared to that guy who's coming to speak? You know, the world tells us all this stuff, but he says, oh no, you're my masterpiece. When my wife was pregnant with our little Elliot, we had the little app that was like, you follow the pregnancy. Have you ever heard of this thing? And it's like, when the baby is three weeks, you get a thing and it says, compares to fruit sizes. Your, your baby's the size of a grape. And this is happening developmentally, or a strawberry, or an avocado, or like you get to the point, like oh, almost like a watermelon, baby's coming soon, right? But I got this thing, and it was like, my, she was barely even showing, she was 13 weeks, 14 weeks, 
and my phone went off and said, your child is 14 weeks along, the size of a strawberry. I was like, ah, oh, and said, and the fingerprints are completed. What? You're, you're God's masterpiece. There, there's not another you, okay? So let that sink in. And then you're created in Jesus to stay home and watch Netflix all week. Wait, no. That's not what it said. I'm created new so that I can just unplug from the world and, and do nothing. What? No, wait. I'm created to do good things, do works. Pause. Come on. What do, you get, what do you got to bring to the table? You got something. If you got the fingerprint of God on you, then you have something to bring to the table. And some of us have the gift of putting the hand on the back of a person saying, you can do it. I'm with you. I'm here. Some of us can play the mandolin. This guy's awesome, right? Some of us can do, we can all do different things, right? And then the last part, chew on that, which he prepared in advance for you to do. Huh? What? So you mean thousands of years ago, you would like know my name? Like, that's amazing. So will you, will you let that seed like sink in for just a second? Okay, so I'm going to share couple of stories, again, just from the book. A couple will be funny, and a couple will be serious. Is it okay if I tell a funny one? Okay, so one of the guys I reached out to is a guy named Ben Masters, and he made a documentary called Unbranded, and it was on Netflix for a while, and then Hulu, and him and, they were from Texas A&M, and anytime, if I say that, people go, whoop, or something, but that doesn't happen here. It's okay, we're on the other side of the river, so be careful. Um, And he and three college guys graduated from Texas A&M, and they, they adopted 12 wild Mustangs, and then for three months they trained them, and then they made a documentary, and they rode the Mustangs from the border of Mexico to the border of Canada. It took three months. They went through all public lands, and that was the documentary. It's called Unbranded. you got to see it. It's amazing. And at times watching that as a guy, I was like, like they're fly fishing, and it's raining and hailing, and I'm like, I'm going to go do this. And like five minutes later, they're like, they're going to die. I don't want to go do that. <laughs> They're not, they're not going to live. I mean, it was dangerous looking. Anyway, so he's one of the guys I reached out to. And so here's a funny story. So I go meet with him in Austin, and he's, he's like young. He's like 29-year-old guy, super like, you know, kind of cowboy. His hair was all crazy, and he was like shorts but boots. And he's a filmmaker, right? Uh, but he's a, he's a full-on Western, like wild guy. And uh, so we go meet at coffee. And so he goes, and he orders coffee. He's like, I'll have coffee black. And I'll get up there, and I don't, I'm not a big coffee guy, and so I, I ordered, like, a cafe mocha because it has a little co- chocolate in it, right? So they bring his out, and they hand him his, his coffee in a, in a mug, like black coffee, and they hand me mine in a big, round, peach-colored thing <laughs> and with a heart in it <laughs> and a saucer. And he goes, wow, look at that. And I was like, jeez. This is a low, mo- it's a low point. So I was like, tell me about the wild horses. So I'm like, you know, it's pretty horrible. Um, so it was funny. When, when the book was done, I sent it to him. And uh, he, he was like, man, that's hilarious that you put that in there. He said, if you're ever in Austin, I'll buy you another heart-shaped mocha. So that was a low, <laughs> a low moment. One other funny story. I'm, 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 do- I'm, I'm messing up some, some soil here. Okay, so my wife said on her birthday, this is during COVID, she said, all I want for my birthday um, is a tree house out at our property. We have some undeveloped land. And she said, all I want is a tree house, and it doesn't have to be anything fancy. It can be just a platform 10 feet high in the air. And I said, great, I'm going to do this. I love you. I'm your husband. And then once I started the process, I realized I don't know anything about construction, okay, at all. And so getting into the process, I'm like, what is a joist? What is a, a ledger? Uh, what is a dovetail? Like, what are the galvanized or not galvanized? I don't know. So I had to call in reinforcements. So here's the funny story. So I, I got with a plan, and I, my friend Andy plays drums at my church. He played with Chris Tomlin for like eight years, really good drummer, but he knows construction stuff. And I said, dude, I don't know what I'm doing. I have this drawing. Can you help me? He said, I got you. He said, do you have a, a post hole digger? I said, no. He said, I'll let you borrow one do you have a circular saw? I said, no. Uh, He said, I got one you can borrow. Do you have like a a power drill that's powered? I said, I I have a home like battery drill. 
And he's like, you can borrow one. He said, do you have a tape measure? I said, I have a tape measure. Yes. I can, I can keep my man card. I have a tape measure. And uh, so he helps me. So I pick out all this wood. I'm like, I'm going to need 42 pieces of this. I need six of these posts. I need this. It's going to be half in the trees, half in, the, in concrete, in a platform. So I ordered all these things from McCoy's Lumber. Okay. Uh, I go meet the guy to, to, to meet out there. And he, there's a truck coming. It's like 7 in the morning. I go out at our land. The truck comes in. There's this big thing of wood in the back. So I'm like, okay. I open the gate. I said, it's just follow me because it's in a field out there. Just go past the cows. We go out there. Um, and we go past the cows. And um, so then we stop. I said, this is where we're going to unload. So I got my gloves out. I got the big gloves. I'm Velcroing. I'm like, let's do this. Let's unload. Let's unload this thing. This is step one. And he goes, he got out of his truck and he goes, beep. And the truck goes, and the stuff slid off. And then he goes, and he said, sign here. And so I took my gloves off and I was like, oh, I know we were going to do that. Yeah. Um, just give me a second. And I think there's a picture. Thanks a lot. Yeah. Uh, so I knew we were going to do that. So I signed the thing. He drove away. And it's like at that moment, I knew kind of the beginning of this was going on. I was in the comfort zone and I was stepping over here. Right. Are y'all with me? I don't know what I'm doing over there. And just the process, like it didn't kill me. I didn't die. Um, but the process got funny. And we're going to revisit. I'm going to tell you about the treehouse a little bit, a little bit later. Right. But it's all about in, in the scary moment, um, am I stepping out to do what, what I'm called to do and what I want to do and what I'm dreaming to do. Right. Okay. So one of the guys that I talked to uh, is Johnny Caraba. You guys have Carabas over here, right? Okay. So He's a Houston guy, and he's very well-known in Houston. He's a philanthropist. He's a, he's a great guy. And I'll get to that one in a second. You can just leave. So come back to that verse. We'll get to it in a minute. Um, he's a great guy. Um, and I was at this event where he was, he was there, and he was giving a grant away to teachers. And I was like, wow, this guy's using his, his thing to, like, invest in teachers. And it was, like, really good, amazing gifts to teachers at this school. And... So I connected with him and I asked, can I, can I pick his brain? And that was also funny. The main, there are 228 Carabas around the country. They're just franchises. But his main one is in Houston, right? So I'll go meet him there. And it's like at, uh, it's early, early in the morning. It's before the place is open. And so I get there and it was like kind of an Italian movie. Like if you're in an Italian restaurant, like a mafia movie, and the, the chairs are upside down, but no one's there. And there's a guy cleaning a glass looking at you, you know? <laughs> And I was like, hi. And the guy was like, are you here to meet with Johnny? I was like, yes. He was like, he's going to meet you in the blue room. I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die in the blue room. You know, I'm like, thank you, hi. So I go to the blue room. And um, so I go, and I'm waiting. And there's pictures of Italian people and black and white photos. And so he came in, and we were just talking. And just amazing to get to talk to him. And he said, he said here's one of the things. He said, I, he said I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not crazy about that there are 220 Carabas is around the country. So what I'm most thankful for, he said, right here at this location, he said, it's, we've been here 30 years. He said, the majority of my employees have been with me 25 and 30 years. He said, I come every day. I like my customers. I appreciate the customers, but this is my family. I come for my family. I want to have a thankful heart, right? And he's not, he's not a pastor at a church. He's running a business. My bro who's talking about business. He's being a light in the way he, that he's living his life. He's like, I'm, I do Italian food but I'm creating an atmosphere of thankfulness, right? And he said, I got this text the other day. A lady wrote me and said, uh, I want to write you and tell you thank you because my brother brought in our elderly dad last week, and he's a recent amputee. And I want to tell you thank you because they brought him in to eat at your place. And some of your employees helped my dad in the restroom, right? He said, that's why I want to get up and come and do this every day, Right? I'm, I want to have a thankful heart. And he gave me his book. It's this big, huge cooking book. And he said, the publisher wanted to put his picture on the front of it, Johnny Caraba. He said, I don't want my picture on the front. And it's called With Thankfulness. And he said, in the book, it's recipes, but he said, any employee that's been with him over 25 years, their picture's in there. Here's this black and white photos of all these people, right? And he said, when the publisher gave me the book, I was getting on the plane from Houston to New York. They gave me a proof. So I get on the plane, and he said, it was a three-and-a-half-hour flight. He said, I cried the entire time, right? The people are what he's thankful for, right? 
Another story, I got to talk to an amazing guy. Back in the day, there was a Christian band called For Him, okay? So Mark Harris was one of the songwriters, and he was one of the singers for Him. He's at a church in Dallas now, connected with him. And um, he told me this amazing story, and here's one more kind of auger for your soil. He said, he said it's really cool that you're doing this because you're, you're 50, and you're talking to people, and you're hearing other people's stories. He said, yeah, I have a friend of mine who, when he was 50, he was on this flight, long flight, and when he got on the plane, this very elderly, frail man sat next to him and was traveling alone. And he said, I wanted to ask him more about his story and what he's up to and what's he doing. And he said, about the time I was going to talk to him, the man fell asleep. And um, so he said, we're flying. Then we're about to kind of, we're turning, the, and the stewards say, hey, we're about to be coming in for landing. Um, put your seat backs up, etc. We're coming around. And so the man wakes up, and the guy says, sir, um, are, you, are you traveling alone? And he said, yes, I'm traveling alone. And he said, is someone going to get you at the airport? And he said, yes, I have a friend getting me. And he says, if you don't mind, can I ask you how old are you? And he said, I'm 92. And he said, you're traveling by yourself at 92? Wow. And he said, well, I, can, I, can I ask you one question before we land? And he said, I, I turned 50 this year, and so I've been talking to a lot of people. And said, you're an older man. He said, can I ask you something? At 92, what would you tell your 50-year-old self? And he said, oh, I know exactly what I'd say. And he said the man reached in his pocket very gingerly, and he pulled out a golf marker that had something on one side and on the other side. And he said, this side says, be present, and this side says, be thankful. And he said, when I was 50, I wasn't either one of these. He said, um... He said, when I was 50, he said, I had multiple companies, and I was really sharp, and I was doing great, and I was on top of it. And if I was at a lunch meeting, I would have all the answers to the questions. But I wasn't really at the lunch meeting because I was thinking about the 3 o'clock call and what they were going to ask me. And at the 3 o'clock call, I'd have the answers. And then when I was home with my family, I wasn't really with my family because I was thinking about the late call I needed to have. And I had very much success. But I wish that I had done things different. And he said, now, he said, I'm 92. He said, I had four children or five children, I forget. But he said, two have passed away, and I'm estranged from the other three. And the plane touched down. And I, that's, that, that story hit me. And as he continued to share, he said, that was one of the thing, reasons why I stepped out of for him. He said, we were touring all the time, and my little boy was 10 playing baseball. And he said, I was an assistant coach on the baseball team and had been for a couple years. If I was in town, I'd coach. If I wasn't, I wouldn't. And he said, my little boy said, will you be the head coach this year? Because you know more than our head coach knows, and you're my dad. So he went to for him and said, I'm going to coach my boys baseball so I can only do concerts on Thursdays and Tuesdays. <laughs> and the record label said, we don't do a lot of Tuesdays and Thursdays, and we do tours that are two-week, three-week long, he said, I feel like God's wanting me to coach the baseball. He said, then the, the record label came back and said to him, don't you think about, once you think about the other three guys, what about their families? What about the booking people? What about the label, the touring company? And he said, I feel like God is calling me to do this. And he said, that was the beginning of us hanging it up as for him. He said, I coached my boy's team that year. He said, my boy is 25, right? And he doesn't remember much about being eight and nine, but he remembers being 10. When, when, he co when I coached, right? Jeez. So I made these bracelets, and it says, be thankful, and it says, be present, right? So outside, there's like 150 of those. Take one as you leave. Put it on your wrist and say, you know, today, help me to be a little more present. These phones are, are a problem, right? It's hard to be present because it's like, let me just check in on this. Let me just check this real fast. A guy who plays drums with me on the road, he's, he's, he has tattoos on one whole side of his arm. Some people see him, they're kind of scary. But then you talk to him and he's very sweet. He's a bodybuilder too. And he's, he's thinking about doing uh, be present on his thumb because that's the hand he uses for his, with his phone. And he has three kids at home, right? So, now we'll look at this. I'm messing with your soil. Toss this seed out. And this has got me through the whole, like, 18 months of COVID. Blessed, well, in the other translation I have, blessed is the one, the man or the woman. Blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord. 
whose trust is the Lord. He's like a tree planted by the water, and it sends out its roots by the stream and does not fear when the heat comes. Go ahead. He's like a tree planted by the water that sends out its roots by the stream. It does not fear when the heat comes, for it leaves, the leaves remain green, and it's not anxious in the year of drought. It does not cease to bear fruit. During this whole process, um, man, a few times I would go back out to our land where I told you the little treehouse was, was being worked on. <clears throat> and all through that time, like God was doing things in my soil with nature and the stream. With, our property backs up to, there's a stream with some trees. And I'd go down there and I'd be like, man, it's like really hot and there's all this kind of dead looking grass. But down here, there's all these trees that tend to grow by the stream. Have you seen that? Wherever there's a river or water or even a creek bed, the trees are down there. So I'd go down there, and there's all these, like, just trees towering. And they're almost audibly saying, oh, I'm not really worried about if there's a drought because I'm not getting fed over there. I'm getting fed from the stream that's right here. And you look down there, and, you're, and like God's saying, yeah, this is an illustration. This is illustration 102. You can get it, Wayne. Be a person who is like a tree planted by the river, right? And when all hell breaks loose, like, is my hope in the stock market? No, better not be. Is my hope in one of our presidential administrations? Good luck. Okay. Is my hope in the creator of the universe? Who knows my name, right? Okay, so that, that, there he is. There, there's the stream. And someone, someone I heard did a message one time, and they said, they were unpacking this verse and said, uh, to be like, to be a tree that's planted by the, by the river. And the, the name of their message was, what's in the water? <laughs> what's in the water? I'm going to rephrase that. Who's in the water? It's not a what, okay? He has a name, right? So Jesus, before the world began, he's a person, right? And he says, okay, be rooted in me, abide in me, right? And then, yes, things may come, Okay, but I want you to be a blessing if things come. Because that tree, check it out. It's like doing well. It's growing big. It's doing all these things. There's like shade. There's like birds living in it. There's fruit hanging on it. There's all these multiple layers of a healthy tree. You with me so far? Um, so rapid fire. Here's three, three little chapters and one little brief sentence from each one. One chapter that I, I did was called being a lifelong learner. Like I want to be a lifelong learner. Some of these people I would talk to, a common thing I kept seeing is people might have success or achieve a certain thing, and then they'd say, oh, no, I'm, not, I'm actually not done. Like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep growing as a person. God is wired more than me, in me. I'm going to do this next thing. And I did this funeral of a sweet lady. She was 94 at our church. I had not even ever met her. They asked me to come in and do the music. It was a very small ceremony. And I was like, wow, sweet to be a part of this. And her son got up. Her son's like 65. And he says, I tell you, one of the things about mom, sweet mom, was her clogging career. And I was like, whoa, whoa. And so I'm sitting in the back. They said she clogged for over 20 years with a touring team, right? Went across the country. She made such good friends. But this is the part that blew me away. She said that when she started it when she was 71. <laughs> so I got up and I came up to do the final song and I said, I didn't, I didn't know the sweet lady. I said, but I want to be like her, right? So she started clogging at 71 because she felt like there's more I want to do. I want to do this next thing. Here's my comfort zone. Here's why I'm just hang out and just kind of just do nothing. Uh, but I keep, I, there's some friends over there. They invited me to come clogging, so I'm going to come over here. And she ended up doing that for 20 years. Pretty cool, huh? Um, one chapter is called Merakai, and it's a Greek word. Everyone say Merakai. That means that if you you so passionately, the work you're doing that you put, put so much of yourself into it. There was this Greek word where they said they believe you literally are leaving kind of part of your soul in the work you're doing, right? So I want to be a person who lives like saying, oh, whatever I do, God. And like right now, I got two little girls at home. And it's like we rotate. I homeschool every Monday, okay? They're out of school a couple days a week. My wife does one day, but I do Mondays. In the last two years, I, I would not take from you $1 million to trade Mondays, I'm down with Mondays. I tell you, I'm not like painting. I'm not like doing music stuff. I'm not talking about my book. On those days, I'm like, we have to figure out what a prepositional phrase is, okay? Girls, daddy's got to Google because I don't remember. Um, 
But Merakai. And so one friend of mine that I talked to during that, his name is Raymond Turner. He works at a Ch- Cook's Children's Hospital in Dallas. And inside a Cook's Children's Hospital in Dallas is a recording studio that you would never know is there. There's a multi-million dollar recording studio in there. And he's the producer of the studio. And they help c- kids who are fighting serious illness create a song to leave with their family. Okay? Garth Brooks donated all the stuff that's in the studio. Sent his audio guy, they tricked out the studio. And literally, literally what he does, my friend Raymond, is like if it's like a situation with like a premature or a child that's n- not going to make it through the birth, they record the heartbeat and he puts music to the heartbeat. They give it to the family. So I'm talking to Raymond and he's like sharing this word Merakai, like whatever you do, we just... Whatever, however, your story, maybe God's in your story, do it to the best of your ability. And, he, and I was reminded as we're talking that he and his wife had a little child that was born preemie 18 years ago. That little boy Isaiah, he's a senior in high school now, right? But God took him down that road of having a premature child and have compassion for the families. And in my interview with him, and I've been friends with him for 20 years, I never knew this. He said, yeah, like, I don't know if you knew this, but I was born premature. And I said, you were, Raymond? I didn't even know that. He was a preemie that doctors were saying, this little guy's probably not going to make it. But he did make it, and now he works at Cook's Children's Hospital, fully putting his heart into effort into whatever he does. Merakai, right? One more, last one. Significance over success. One of the guys I talked to is Fernando Ortega. He's a songwriter, and she's, she's being very candid and being very honest and was asking him about things in his life. And it was very funny because I met him at this Mexican food place in Albuquerque. And I was so nervous because I really like Fernando Ortega's music. I was like a fan. And so I was there before him and there's the table. And I was like, I'll move the chair. I was like, I'll sit here. Let me move the chips. Here's Fernando's chips. Okay. Let me, I was just nervous. I kept getting up and down, Chris. I was like, calm down. So he arrived, we talked. And in three minutes, I realized he's just a person, right? And he starts sharing. And he told me, he said, yeah, when I got my first, when I got my record deal, he said, I was 21, maybe. And he said, I thought, he said, I was so happy to get it. He said, but what I really was thinking is it's going to give me validation. It's going to help me be known. It's going to probably make me famous and give me money. He said, that record deal was the worst thing ever. He said, I, he said, I never got a check from that album that I did. He said, I got swindled out of that whole deal. And he said, now I'm on the other side of my career. He's 65. He said, but the things now, the songs that I've written that have had eternal impact, are songs that have, that have played, been played at funerals and memorials. And he was asked to play at Ruth Graham's memorial service. Billy, Billy asked her, Billy Graham asked her to come, him to come sing the song he wrote. So he said, now I'm looking back, and he said, significance in my work and in my life weighs more than my success because what I think it's going to be, right? So let's look at this. I don't think I have it on here, but I want to show this, toss this seed out. Psalm 37, okay? So I've augured your soil pretty hard today. I only got a few more minutes, so I need to wrap it up. But here's another seed, okay? Psalm 37, and this is maybe just for you. It might be for one person only. Delight in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. There's a tree over there, remember? It's another way of saying it, like, be rooted, be rooted, Jesus saying, be rooted in me, right? And then I'm going to do all these things in you. Some of it you're, you're planning for. And maybe your biggest dream is to like have become an apple tree. But he's like, no, I want to do these other aspects too. Delight in me and I'll give you the desires of your heart. So, been telling you a lot of stories. I've been stirring it up a lot. Um, earlier, you, you mentioned this, something about, um, Chris, you said it when you, when you were talking earlier, just before communion, that uh, a construction zone of our hearts, right? So John Eldridge, I was able to go to the uh, Wild at Heart Conference for Men. It's like 450 guys in Colorado. Amazing. Blew my mind. But they would have, it was during winter, and they would have a breakout session. Like after a session like this, he would say, okay, you guys go outside. We got, you have one hour just go be alone, and then we're going to come back here. But on this occasion, it had snowed a bunch, and it was three degrees. Everyone, can you go like this, three? Okay, I'm from Houston. 
Like, I was like, I don't, ha- I don't do three degrees, right? So he's like, go out there, but don't go too far. Don't die. Like, go somewhere for an hour, but come back. So I go outside. I'm like, God, it's really cold. But so I walk out, and then I was like, okay, there's this spot I saw earlier just above this ridge where you can see this valley in Colorado. And I was like, man, I'm going to go up there, and then God's going to tell me this great thing because I'll see creation, right? So I'm walking up, and uh, almost audibly, and I don't say it lightly, but I feel like God say, stop right here. And so I kind of turn, and uh, I wasn't at the point yet where the vista was. It was like I was kind of in the middle of the camp. And there was this cabin that was uh, being worked on. And it had a chain-link fence around it. There was big piles of shingles they were getting ready to put on and lumber, but they had stopped for the winter. Everybody with me so far? And I was like, okay. And I was like, well, God, I'm going to go. I'm going to go up here, and then I'm going to see this beautiful view, and then you tell me something in my heart. And, and God was like, no, no, this is good right here. And I'm like, so I'm looking, and I'm like, this is ugly, <laughs> okay? Like, I, what? And man, so sweetly, God said, this is you. You're under construction. Amen. So I started getting teary, and I'm like, what? And I felt like Jesus say, hey, yeah, I'm going to take out a wall here. Let's, we'll put in a window here. We'll change some things here. And then this was awesome. I feel like God say, I'm not just going to tell you to do it, or I'm not going to do it for you, but let's do it together. What? Man. So you came today, and, um, you know, you were like, I'm going to go to church, and you probably have all these different reasons for being here, right? So like at my church in Katy, we got the people who are like hardcore. They're the leaders, Small group leaders, they're involved in everything. We've got the people who are Easter, Christmas only. We've got the once every couple months. It doesn't matter. We've got the people who came because they were guilted into it. Some who you need to hear something from God. You all came for a different reason, right? Honestly, true or false, right? We all need community. We came for different things. Um, but I pray that you receive some of these things today and to realize, okay, firstly, God knows your name, Right? He's got great plans for you, and he wants you to be planted by the river of his heart, of his life, and to restore you and renew you. And then guess what? It's not just for you. It's for others. It's for the community. It's for those around us. Like they asked Jesus, what's the greatest command? He said, man, love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and then that's it. Go home. He didn't say that. Love God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, be a scholar and stay, stay, stay home, uh, please. Go love your neighbor, right? Dang. Like Terry, Terry tells me these stories about Emerge. Terry, if you're watching, keep it up. The ministries that are happening out of this place, it's amazing, right? We're supposed to come do this so that we can go do that, okay? We're not supposed to come do this and then be like, man, now I got to go to work for five days at a job that I don't like. Come do this, get restored, get refilled, and let's go do the other part. Go love your neighbor as yourself, right? And it can happen in business. It can happen in, on the golf course. It can happen over lunch. It can happen in a ministry. Just be, let's be open to what God's doing. Um, so I kind of, let me wrap the story up then uh, on my treehouse. So ended up working on it more and more. Through the course of three separate weekends, I, I ended up... Uh, Measuring correctly and cutting wrong. I, I measured correctly, cut wrong, and I measured incorrectly, but cut it properly. Uh, I fell off a ladder. I drilled my hand accidentally. Uh, one time I had the top put on, and it seemed a little collywampus, and my neighbor Leon drove up, and he's full-on country. His little grandson's in the in the little truck with him. He's eight, and he has a rifle. And I'm like, okay, how you doing? Be careful, little boy. And um, <laughs> they pull up, and, uh, and Leon said, that doesn't really look level. And I was like, it's level, bro, okay? <laughs> and he, and uh, the little boy said, yeah, Grandpa, that doesn't look level. And I got up there, and I, it was not level. I was only off by four and a half inches. Um, <laughs> so I don't know how that happened. So I had to, like, add to the other side so it would be level. It was insane. It was just a semi-embarrassment all the way through, right? But at the ends, okay, my wife and girls came out, right? So I think I have a picture. And in the, in the, 
in the, in the golden hour of the day, I sat down there and watched them playing up there. And uh, so, hold on. And, uh, and I, thought, I thought, golly, um, God, so I started into a thing that required some braving. Um, I didn't die, you know, hopefully no one will die in the treehouse. It's very sturdy. There's so much, there's so many bolts and concrete uh, that that thing is going to probably be there for like a, a generation, like a millennia, like it's not going anywhere. Um, and, uh, but I watched them up there and I was like, wow, this is so cool. So God, you want to actually be on a journey with me. Like you don't want me to just like, it's not about a destination. It's actually like just the actual journey, like Jesus wants to kind of walk with us. And um, so, like, we got one more photo. We ended up there, and we, like, had our first meal up there together. And, um, and I was thinking about, you know, one day when these girls are out here, like, with their kids, um, you know, what's that going to be like? So my question for y'all, are you ready for it? I've stirred up the soil. I've tossed you a bunch of seeds of God's Word. What treehouse are you going to build? What treehouse do you want to build? Um, sky's the limit right? What treehouse do you want to build? Because you can do it. Um, and I want to finish with this. Um, he says, abide in me and I'll abide in you. You know, John 15, Jesus says, um, I'm the vine, you're the branch. Abide in me. There's the river right there. Abide in me and you'll bear good fruit, guys. You'll bear fruit in your marriage. You'll bear fruit as a parent. You'll bear fruit in your church. You'll bear fruit in whatever you're putting your hand to. Um, so this is how I want to conclude, um, and I'll ask, because the praise band, if y'all can kind of start working your way up here, if you would, that'd be awesome. Each year, I, I started doing this thing that John Eldridge had shared. Each year, I just say, God, what's, what's your word for me this year? So in 2019, I really clearly felt God say the word was epic, like you're going to have an epic 50th year, and that's what started me down this journey, and it was. It was an epic, crazy year. It was amazing. And in 2020, I felt like God's word for me was wonder, like you're going to just, just be in awe and wonder of what you see I'm doing. So when 2021 was starting, it was like kind of the year was coming to an end, and I hadn't heard anything from God. And it was kind of this thing of like, uh, God, remember we were on this little thing two whole years? You've said something to me, and now I'm not hearing anything. So, and like literally, this is so ridiculous and silly. I said, God, if you, haven't, if you don't have a word for me, maybe braving would be good, braving for this year. And y'all honest, and in my heart again, Jesus said, your word, braving is not your word. Um, your word for this year is abide. If you abide in me, you don't have to really try to be brave. Wow. So I'm going to say um, Psalm 23 over all of us, and then we're going to worship again. Um, just receive this today and just be reminded of this. You've probably heard it a million times, but will you hear it again? Um, the Lord is my shepherd. I don't have to want, like, he, he makes me lay down in green pastures. Yeah, like he sometimes will force me, lay down, take it easy for a little bit. And he'll lead me beside really quiet waters. And what he'll do is restore my soul. He'll refill you. He'll refresh your soul. He will refill you and restore you. And he leads you in paths of righteousness, not to make your own name big, but for his name's sake. Right? You ever catch that? Like the world is telling me, just work a little harder so people kind of know you wrote a book. Who cares? Who cares? Doesn't matter. If his name is made big, made great. Oh, whoa, he's leading me in a path to make his name known. How good. It says, even if you go through the valley of the shadow, like what brilliant writing. The valley's pretty deep. And the shadow of that, even if I go through that, I won't fear any evil. Why? Because I know you're with me. Okay? And he makes a table for you in the presence of your enemies pause right there. Can you imagine Jesus of Nazareth um, setting the table for you, saying, wait, hold on, I'm, I'm almost there. I, don't, I know the foods you love. I know the things, you, I'm going to make a table for you. 
He's, making, he's preparing a table for you? Are you kidding me? And if your enemies are around, I'm not worried about them. They can watch, okay? In the presence of them, I'm not worried. I'm, making a te- I'm preparing a meal for you and I. And he anoints your head with oil. Wow. And surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. And as if that wasn't enough, I'll dwell in the house of the Lord forever. So, Lord, we just come to you and say thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for um, the stories that we talked about. And, Lord, thank you that we are all in the midst of story. We are all in the midst of our own epic story right now. Lord, each and every person right here and who's watching at home, we're all in the middle of our story. And there's a bigger story yet that we were dropped in the middle of. The story of you redeeming and ransoming all of us through Jesus. And Lord, you are our shepherd, God. And in this time, of all the things that are facing the world, Lord, we're, we want to be like a tree that's planted by a river that says, wow, I'm unaffected by the drought because you are where my life comes from. And so God, I just pray for your people. I pray for those who are here that Lord, whatever these seeds that um, were, were tossed out today through your word, Lord, that you would water, that they would grow into fruition. And Lord, because you had a divine appointment for all of us to be together today, to pause and to think about how good you are and to worship you, just like we've been doing, we've been singing these songs to say thank you. And Jesus, I remember the story of the 10 lepers saying, heal me, heal me. And you said, be made whole. And they ran off, but one came back. Nine ran off to go to lunch or to go have fun, but one came back to worship and one said, I want to sit at your feet and tell you thank you. And so that's what we want to do right now for the next few minutes to say thank you, Lord. Um, That's what worship is. We want to worship you and say thank you for all you're doing and all you have done. And God, I pray for a, a brand new, exciting chapter for Abiding Harvest, Lord, from this day going forward, uh, from for Emerge, Lord, for Chris, for the staff here, for the ministries that happen here, Lord. Um, I pray that, um, that all of us would go a deeper level with being rooted in you and following where you, get, where you lead us to go, Lord. Um, we want to follow you. If you say step out of the comfort zone and we worship you, take this time.